praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Brethren, let us pray. Father, we thank you again, even for the privilege of life, the privilege of gathering together with my brothers and sisters. Father God, to explore your word, to examine your word. Please speak to us today. Give us understanding, we pray. Give us faith to mix with your word so that your word will be beneficial to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I thank you also for giving me utterance, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord, brothers and sisters. We are back again by God's grace, even to break some bread. Please, uh, I would urge us, as always, please have your Bible nearby. If you're driving, well, obviously that may not be possible, but if you're seated somewhere, please have your Bible nearby and let us go in the Word together and examine it for ourselves. We've been speaking about Christian growth and I would also urge us to kind of not jump in the middle of any of the episodes uh, but to start uh, from the beginning because it's a line upon line kind of structure. That is how the Word of God is. He teaches us line upon line. Last time we were speaking about fruiting as a part of growing. We're going to pick up on that today and continue. Uh, last time we talked about producing fruit. Uh, today, I want to continue in that vein and say producing bad fruit, which is different from not producing fruit, is also dangerous. We had spoken and we described that not producing fruit can be a dangerous enterprise for a believer. In the last episode, but producing bad fruit has the same effect. Matthew chapter 7, verse 16 to 20. Matthew seven sixteen to 20. Jesus said, you shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns, of figs, of thistles? Even so, even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Verse 19. Every tree that bringeth forth, I'm sorry, every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit 
is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. So if we bring forth bad fruit, we're not growing. As God desires us to grow. Producing perishable fruit is also troublesome. Jesus said in John 15 verse 16, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. Listen now. And that your fruit should remain. If our fruit remains, it means our fruit has not perished. It's not perishable fruit that we are producing. Continuing John 15, 16, that whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. That's John 15, verse 16. Remember now, beloved, remember now that fruiting is simply reproducing what the tree was grown from. Mm-hmm. We were cultivated from the incorruptible seed of God's word. We read that in the last episode. We as trees of righteousness were cultivated from the incorruptible seed of God's word, so our fruit should be incorruptible, non-perishable, and they should remain. The scriptures describes those with perishable fruit as follows. Jude chapter 1 verse 12. Jude chapter 1 verse 12. These are spots in your feasts of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit wither it, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Beloved, let that settle in. Trees, Jude 1 verse 12, trees whose fruit wither it without fruit twice dead. A tree whose fruit withers or a tree without fruit both are dead. A tree whose fruit withers and becomes therefore without fruit is twice dead. It is dead because it has no fruit and is dead when the fruit it had withered. So it died twice. Listen to what Romans 7 verse 14 says. Romans 7 verse 14 Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him 
who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Hmm. No, I'm not talking about apples and oranges. No, no, no. Ephesians 5 verse 9 says, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Philippians 1 verse 11, the Bible says, Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. What bothers me, though, is that there seem to be some, I guess they are well-meaning, that have erroneously called Things that pertain to what God requires from us as performance-based Christianity. Let me say that again. Some have labeled discussions like this that pertain to what God demands from us, his children, requires from us that have believed in Christ Jesus. That what God says we must evidence. Some have labeled this as performance-based Christianity where a person's worth, they allege, is derived from performance. You know, God God just loves us. No, he loves us. Mm-hmm. So to say. Yes, God loves us. Whether we do good or bad, it doesn't matter to God. Mm, okay. Beloved, Jesus gives us the cause of this erroneous belief in Mark chapter 12, verse 24. And it applies to all error, including this so-called labeling of performance-based Christianity when a mention is made of God's demands on his children. Mark twelve twenty four says, And Jesus answering said unto them, Do you not therefore err? Because you know not the scriptures, neither the power of God. We err if we don't know what God has said or what God can do. You see, this labeling, those that use this label, oh, well, they're talking about performance-based Christianity. You know, 
our worth does not depend on what we do. It's just God loves us. Again, if you go back to our message on babes, this is a mishandling of the word of righteousness. When we cannot rightly handle the word of righteousness, error creeps in. Beloved, many have thus unwittingly and unknowingly used this label of performance-based Christianity as a derisive, mocking description of God. They seek to create a God in their own image, a God that fits their own philosophies and customs and beliefs, a God that fits their own imaginations, while ignoring what that same God has said about the issue. Well, my worth is not derived from my performance. But what did God say about it? They are saying that God missed it, for example, in the parable of the sower. Luke 8, verse 11 to 15. God missed it by categorizing the soils based on their performance. Mm-hmm. God missed it. God didn't know what he was doing. Luke chapter 8, verse 11 to 15. Jesus said, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Then he goes on to categorize four different kinds of soil. Now, he categorized them. It wasn't me. I didn't, I didn't say anything. I didn't do anything. I'm too small to do that. Jesus said, Luke 8:12, those by the wayside are they that hear. Then the devil comes and takes the word out of their hearts. No result from the word. Verse 13, they on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy, but they have no root in themselves, and in, they believe for a little bit, for a while, and when temptation comes, they fall away. Verse 14, third category, and they which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. They have fruit. Verse 14. But their fruit is not perfect. They grow up among thorns. The cares of this world choke them. Verse 15. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart have heard the word, they keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Yeah, 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 yeah. God missed it when he categorized the soils by their fruits. Mm-hmm. 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 Jesus said, if we cannot 
understand the parable of the sower, we can't understand any other parable. How? Mark chapter 4, verse 13. Mark chapter 4, verse 13. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? How then will you know all parables? Beloved, if we stumble at the parable of the sower, forget other parables. Oh well. Hebrew chapter 6, verse 7 to 8. The scripture says, For the earth which drinks in the rain that falls often upon it and brings forth herbs meet for them by whom it is dressed, receives blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and brass is rejected and is near unto cursing whose end is to be burned. God again categorizes the soils, the earth, based on their fruiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can call it performance if you want. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Whether I bring fruit or not, it doesn't matter. I'm still a child of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those that peddle this philosophy of that's performance-based Christianity are telling God that God missed it when he gave the parable of the talents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, God missed it. Matthew chapter 25, verse 20 to verse 30. He gave them talents. You know the story. Verse 20 says, And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, you, you gave me five talents? Behold, I've gained beside them five talents more. Hold on. These five talents I'm giving you is not the five talents you gave me. The five talents you gave me, which I did not merit or earn, or deserve was the seed you gave me and I'm bringing the fruit of five more talents to you. What did the master say? Verse 21, Matthew 25, 21. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Mm-hmm. Thou hast been faithful by a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. Verse 23, I mean, verse 22. He also that received two talents came and said, Lord, behold, you gave me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. Lord, these two talents I'm bringing to you were not the two talents you gave me. Which I didn't merit anyway. I didn't earn them. You just gave them to me. But that was the seed you gave me. And because you gave me two talents seed, um, your talents have produced two more talents. Mm-hmm. Mm. Verse 23. The, his Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. 
Thou hast been faithful over a few things, I'll make the ruler, ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Verse 24. He, then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, uh, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you have not gathered. So I was afraid. Mm-hmm. Here's the one you gave me and keep it. Verse 26, The Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. I thought the Lord didn't care about performance. He gave three servants talents that they did not merit. He gave it to them and he expected them to reproduce what they were given. And you call that performance-based Christianity? Are you serious? Oh, well. Those that talk about this performance-based Christianity, they also allege unwittingly that God missed it by requiring a tree to produce fruit after three years. God missed it. Luke 13, verse 6 to 9. We spoke about this in the last episode. A certain man had a fig tree planted. He came and sought fruit, and he didn't find any fruit. Then he said to the dresser of the vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why is it cumbering the ground? Now listen. He comes seeking fruit on this fig tree. He's looking for figs on the fig tree. He's not looking for fish on the fig tree. Mm-hmm. He's not looking for oranges on the fig tree. Mm-hmm. Mm. He's not looking for corn on the fig tree. No, 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 no. He is looking for figs on the fig tree because he planted a fig in the ground and that's where this tree came from. I hope you get it. I hope you get it, beloved. Matthew chapter 7, verse 19 to 20. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Hmm. By their fruits you shall know them. If the tree is not producing fruit, it shouldn't bear the name of that fruit. Let me say that again. If the tree is not producing fruit, it shouldn't bear the name of that fruit. So Jesus says, by their fruits you shall know them. Well, this is an orange tree because there's orange on it. 
Let me say that again. Jesus said, by their fruits, you shall know them. This is an orange tree because there are oranges on it. When it produces oranges, you can call it an orange tree. By their fruits, you shall know them. If it does not produce oranges, it has no right to continually be called an orange tree. But why did God call it an orange tree in the first place? I'm glad you asked. Romans 4, verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him who he believed, even God, listen now, even God who quickened the dead and called those things which be not as though they were. God called the tree an orange tree in faith, believing that the orange tree will bring forth orange fruit because he knew what he put in the seed that he planted the orange tree with. God knew that in due time, this tree that he has called an orange tree will produce orange fruit because he put capacity and capability in the seed to produce oranges. That's why he was mad with a fig tree. Because he called it a fig tree by faith. God calls those things that be not as though they were. He called it what it is because he knew it will become what he said it should be. But when the tree decides not to obey that command, we have a problem. So Jesus continues on this point in John chapter 15 verse 8 saying, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Let me read that again. John 15 8. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. Plastic orange plant that you bought from a store to decorate your house. You know, whatever. You don't expect it to have oranges. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean it, it's plastic. But if you know, like the man knew, Jesus said, that he planted a fig tree. He called a tree. He says, these three years, I come seeking fruit on this fig tree. But Jesus also said, by their fruit, you shall know them. So what he's saying with those two scriptures together, I came seeking fruit on this fig tree because I knew I planted a fig tree. But because it's not producing figs, it can't be known as a fig tree because by their fruits you shall know them. And if it cannot be known as a fig tree, cut it down. 
because it looks like a fig tree, but it's not producing figs. Stay with me, beloved. Stay with me. Stay with me, beloved. This concept of derisively calling this issue of what God demands from his children as performance-based Christianity is human philosophy and it's human wisdom, which doesn't go anywhere. I mean, it sounds good, it feels good, it tastes good, but it's poison. You see, this philosophy forgets that God valued the source, talking about the parable of the sower now, so much, all the souls we talked about, God valued the soil so much that he freely scattered his precious seed on all kinds of earth. By the wayside, among rocks, among thorns, he gave his seed freely to all of them. None of them deserved it. No soul earned the right to receive the seed. God gave them the seed freely. There you see the grace of God unmerited talking about the servants with the, with the talents god valued the servants so much that he freely gave them varying talents that none of them earned none of the servants and the talents they were given it was by grace god by grace also planted the fig tree that refused to fruit the fig tree did not plant itself it was by grace. We'll talk a bit more about that later. What man calls performance, God calls reasonable service. Let me say that again. What these philosophies of man are derisively labeling as performance-based Christianity, God calls it reasonable service. Look at Romans 12, verse 1 to 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Josh, it's not a big deal, God says. It's your reasonable service. It's not a big deal, Josh. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, uh, because the seed I planted you from is holy. <laughs> uh huh. Is incorruptible. Because sin will corrupt you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sin leads to decay. Corruptible. Death. But holiness is incorruptible. It abides forever. It lives forever. Holiness leads to eternal life. Romans 12, verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What man now calls performance, God calls reasonable service. If someone gives you a bucket of sand, gives you two sticks, uh, gives you a cup of water, gives you a cup of cement, 
and tells you, build me a 12-story office complex. Mm-hmm. Beloved, I know I sound silly, but you have to forgive me on that. But it's unreasonable to demand that I take two sticks, a bucket of sand, a cup of water, a cup of cement, and build a 12-story office complex. Who does that? On the other hand, if you give me access to unlimited cement, unlimited sand, you give me unlimited water, you give me unlimited iron rods, you give me unlimited wood, you give me shovels, you give me construction materials and equipment, give me all kind of tractors, you give me skilled craftsmen, you give me skilled builders, and you demand from me that I build a little house for your pet dog. Mm-hmm. Is that unreasonable or reasonable? So we see in Isaiah 61, verse 1 to 3, the scriptures telling us very plainly, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint, verse 3, unto them that mourn in Zion, to give Unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Listen now. That they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Beloved, I hope you got that that they might be called trees of righteousness. The self-planted? No. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Beloved, trees of righteousness It is by grace because we are the planting of the Lord. If you think about the biggest trees that you know, the biggest, the tallest, the widest, I think about the sequoia trees in North America. I think about you have some eucalyptus trees, I believe in Australia. You have some uh Iroko trees, Obecha trees. That's in West Africa. You have all these giant trees around the world. Not one tree planted itself. Not one. Not one. Let me say that again. From your tallest to your biggest to your baddest trees, not one tree planted itself not one not one 
It is by grace, beloved. It is by the grace of God that those trees are planted. But the planter of that tree demands that they produce what he planted them from. Ah. Let me say that again. The planter of that tree demands that they produce what he planted them from. So Jesus continues on this point in John chapter 15 verse 8 saying, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Let me read that again. John 15, 8. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. The Bible says, According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Let me say that again. According as his divine power, talking about God, has given unto us all things, not some things, he has given unto us all things, all things, all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Remember the dung that was going to be given to the fig tree so he might produce fruit? Peter is saying God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All things we need to live the life he requires and to live in godliness. God has given unto us all things through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. All things. What are those all things? Let's, let's, look about some, let's look at some of them. The blood of Jesus. The name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. The shield of faith. The helmet of salvation. Prophetic word God, said, God has given us. You see that in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. There are all kinds of things God has given us. All kinds. So, after you plant your fig tree and you manure it and you water it and you let it be exposed to the sunlight and you give it adequate growth time, are you performance-based if you require the fig tree to produce the same fig from which you planted it? Are you being unreasonable to demand fruit? Beloved, to ask that a fig tree produce an apple, oranges, or bananas is unreasonable. But God thinks, as he stated in Romans 12, verse 1 to 2, that his requests are very reasonable. Beloved, it is whatever God thinks that is right, that is right. Not what we collectively assume or believe to be right. Let me, let me say that again. It is whatever God thinks that is right, 
that is right. It's not what we collectively assume or believe to be right. Do you know what humanity is worth to God? Let me tell you the value God places on humanity. Because some of us don't know. So they say we're trying to perform so that we can have worth in God. Let me t- let's look at some of the some of the way, ways God has expressed the worth He places on us. Genesis one twenty six, and God said, "Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, the cattle, all over the earth, and over every creeping thing." John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 5, 8. But God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you see that? Luke eleven two, And he said unto them, When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Ephesians 1, 2. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father. And from the Lord Jesus Christ. These scriptures show God as our Father. Genesis 1 26, let us make man in our own image. Our Father, which art in heaven. He's our God, but He's our Father. God and Father are two different offices, if you will. God and Father are two different functions, if you will. God is both our God and He's also our Father. What does that mean? You see, God is the God, which means creator. God is a creator function. God is the God of the mountains, He's the God of trees. He's the God of monkeys. He's the God of fish. He's the God of snakes. He's the God of rabbits. He's the God of cockroaches, whether you believe that or not. He's the God of mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. He's the God of rocks. Beloved, but he's not their father. God is a creator function. God creates, but a father replicates. A father duplicates. A father reproduces himself in his child. So let me tell you the value God has placed upon us before we did anything. He made you and I in his image. Mm-hmm. That's worth right there. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. We didn't do nothing. He made us in his image. That's the worth and the value he placed on us. So that he could both be our God and our Father. The God that made us in his image now asks us to be responsible. And we say it's performance-based Christianity. Ah, Oh Lord, my time is up. Beloved, I have to stop right here and 
by God's grace will continue next time. Until then, may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes.